Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Today I will be speaking with Kathy Moya. Kathy is the Senior Program Manager at Microsoft. She currently works on programs that brings customers and engineers together to create better products, like the Microsoft's Most Valued Professional, MVP program for enterprise device management. In previous years, she's created courseware, written documentation, designed instructions for mice and keyboards, and spent many years as a technical trainer. She is the founder of the Women IT Pro movement to help women pursue and expand careers in the IT Pro world, because you don't have to write code to work in tech. Welcome to the show, Kathy. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. Let's get started. So, Kathy, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Oh, boy. If you had told me years ago this is what I would be doing, I wouldn't have believed it. So I I was a theater kid, and I loved theater. I lived for play practice after school, and I thought I'm going to go study theater. I'm going to be an actress. And uh, I think it was in in college realizing that um, it it wasn't necessarily what I needed to do as a profession when I saw a lot of the the things that go into it uh, full time. I I worked for a a repertory theater company when I was in high school and I saw actors living on ketchup and rice. And and I loved lighting design and I did some lighting design, but it's a very involved kind of universe. So I realized I also really loved tech and I was good at tech, but I never really thought that that was something that was for me, that was for other people. And no one ever told me, yeah, you know, you you could go be a computer science major. And even if I'd wanted to, it required so much math. And I unfortunately am one of those people who can do math, but I, I struggle with it, whereas language came so easily, except for I realized um, I actually love geometry. So, you know, I, I actually did like some math. So when I graduated, I ended up going into um, environmental politics for a while. I was canvassing and and community organizing, and I ended up as the office manager there. So I took over the computer stuff, and I was really good at that. And then um, I started doing temp work after I'd moved, and I, I just went from one temp job to another where I could really start using my tech skills. And eventually I got into doing technical training, um, teaching people how to use Word and Excel. And then that company sent me to get my networking certification with Novell. And I started teaching some Novell networking. And then I started teaching Microsoft networking. And you know, years later, that was how I met the people who eventually said, hey, we need someone to come and write courseware at Microsoft. Are you interested? And I said, yes. And so that was 18 years ago. Wow, that's great. And that journey kind of took some, you know, um, 
some waves back and forth, but got you into technology, which is so awesome. So, you know, I know you and I know that technology is not about sitting behind a computer all day and coding, but um, what are some of the ways you think that uh, we can be technical? So the way I think about technology right now is there are people who are making technology. And, you know, so there, there's definitely a course of so people who are writing code, but even below them, there are people who are writing, you know, the coding languages or, you know, building all these AI models. So you can get very deep into what it means to even make code or to make technology. But at a certain point, then you get people who are all just leveraging on top of that technology and it, it really expands out. So you have the people who may be writing the code, but then you have the people who are making sure the code gets written correctly and that it gets um, deployed correctly and that it gets marketed and that people can use it because there's adequate technical documentation. So there's a whole ecosystem just around the code or, or the technology even being created and being distributed in the world. Um, then you get the people who are going to be using it. For example, my brother is an MRI technician. He had to learn a lot of networking along the way because a lot of the MRI now is being done, you know, you're sending files and things electronically. Mm -hmm. So all of that starts to come together in tech. And then you have uh, wonderful innovations that we're doing on top of that, things like uh, the Microsoft Power Platform and Power BI, where you can take a lot of data and crunch it, or you can automate tasks that are repetitive. And that is a great use of technology, but you may have somebody who is working at an insurance company who is really good at that and doesn't really think of themselves as being in tech. And I say, well, why not? You know, we, we just need to expand the idea of how we're taking all this awesome technology, whether it's a 3D printer or, you know, code that's going to automate a task and say, you know, really anybody who is in a professional job these days is really in tech. Oh, I think that's so true, and I love how you put it. You can be making tech, which is really the developing piece piece of it, but then you can leverage on top of that foundation, which is so awesome. You can troubleshoot, you can implement, you can use it. Uh, today, everything is tech. Everything in our business is tech, and now our homes are becoming so much more technology savvy you know, mm -hmm. where your refrigerator can tell you what's missing and what things you need to put on your list. Whereas my door, you know, the, the doorbell can also, and my lamps, all of those things are interconnected. So all using technology. I love that you talked about Power Platform and Power BI, where there's no code, but still leveraging and understanding data to make good decisions for your organization. Um, I mean, we all use cell phones, right? So that is a form of technology as well. So very well put. And, you know, if there's so much technology in our lives today that there's many ways to be technical. Absolutely. So with all the technology there is there today, it's still very important to have that human connection. We don't want to get stuck behind our computer and, and miss that connection. So what are ways that you can build human connection in these technical realms? Because, you know, you can get so caught up. Sometimes I'm at the computer, 
I'm on the computer and I'm lost and six hours goes by and I forget about everything else. So what are some critical skills needed for this? Well, one of the things that I've been doing lately, uh, my, my current role, is about getting our engineers to talk to our customers and our customers to talk to our engineers. So it, it really is a great way of leveraging my background with communications and theater and, and bringing people together and telling a story. So uh, I, I think storytelling is a really interesting piece right now that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, you know, working to bring a more uh, emotional resonance together with the kind of technology we're talking about. So there, there's some great books and some great resources about that right now. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely trying to find ways that I can bring more of that into my life and into my work. Uh, another thing that I'm finding really exciting right now is virtual reality. And if you had told me, you know, even six months ago, Oh, yeah, you, you could go be doing virtual reality. I, I thought, no, well, that's just for people who have the money to shell out on those headsets. Or, you know, we went to a place down the street from us that does, uh, you know, you can buy some VR time to do a, a game together. And that was really cool. But I didn't think it was something that I could do. And then um, I had just finished doing an event for our, our uh, Microsoft MVP community and our product team that had to go virtual at the last minute because of the pandemic. And one of my coworkers, a new person to our team said, hey, have you checked out this thing called Altspace VR? And I said, well, I don't have a VR headset. She said, oh, you don't need one. And I thought, oh, okay. And it was amazing because right before the summit had to go from an in-person event, bringing people around the world, to uh, you know, a Teams-based event with video conferencing, I sat down and I thought about all of the things that I really wanted from a virtual experience. And I, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to do at this conference, but I wanted people to be able to walk into uh, like a virtual lecture hall and listen to the lecture, but give emojis, you know, emotions in response to what the, the speaker was saying and to talk to the people next to them in the seats and to mob the speaker afterwards and to have all those, the, the hallway conversations that happen after a talk like that, I really wish there was some way to do it. And what I didn't realize is everything that I was asking for, I actually could have done right then in virtual reality if I'd known about it and if I'd had enough time to pivot, which of course we didn't. So it, it's really been driving me to explore more of that. And what I find exciting is you go into these environments, even if you don't have a VR headset, which I still don't, and it, it's almost like being in a video game, but you can have conversations with people. And when you're done talking to that person, you can just walk your avatar somewhere else in the space. And most of them are, are all about this kind of spatial audio technology. So you only hear the people that you're next to, just like you would in real life. And what I'm finding is I get a much deeper kind of connection with people in that kind of situation. Whereas, you know, one-on-one -on -one in a video call, it's great, even, you know, just two or three people, but you start getting like five, six, 12, 15 people trying to have a conversation in a video conference. And I, I just don't feel as connected, but I do in virtual reality. That is so fascinating. Um, so let's go deeper into virtual reality for our listeners that might not have had an experience with VR or don't know what it is. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a foundation on it? Mm -hmm. uh, 
So there are a lot of different types of virtual reality. So, you know, we've seen things like Second Life going all the way back to the, the earlier 2000s, where people would go in in what we call an avatar, something that represents you in some physical way. And in a lot of ways, it's like uh, the, the first person type of video games where you go in, except in a video game, you have some kind of objective. There's a story and what you can do may be somewhat prescribed by how the game has been developed. Whereas in these virtual reality experiences, you have a much more freeform experience. You can really do just about anything. And it really becomes um, more of an event platform, you know, more of a space. So just like you might rent a room at the library and have some kind of a meeting, you can find VR spaces where you just go in as an avatar. And um, excuse me, usually you don't have uh, a video presence, although there, there are several platforms I found that give what I'm calling almost a 1.5D experience instead of a 2D experience. And what's fascinating with those is you have a little token that represents you and you move it around a kind of a map on the space and you only hear the people that your token is next to. So if you wanted to do breakout groups in these environments, you would just move your token from table A to table B and then you just hear the people at table B. And those experiences um, will often provide a video feed as well. So you can still get that kind of you know, video conference along with the audio um, containment to talk to just a few people out of a larger group. So then the 2D experience is the one that's more like the video game. And then the 3D experience is when you're actually putting on the whole virtual reality setup. There may be gloves, there may be other you know, apparatus that you're using. And then as you look around, it feels like you're actually within that environment. That's awesome. I want to try it now and I want to play in that environment a little bit. I know a little bit about it, but I haven't had really a lot of time in, in the VR world. So definitely want to explore. You got me excited about that. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. While there, be sure to check out Directions Training's newest initiative, the WIT Cloud Power Scholarship for Azure Fundamentals Certification. This year, we have offered 100 scholarships to women for the Microsoft Azure Fundamentals Training Course, valued at $950 per student as an opportunity to start their pathway to becoming a Microsoft Certified Professional. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. We now rejoin our host, Jennifer Didier, with today's guest. All right, so let's jump into work-life balance. It's the million-dollar question. It is so difficult. There is no such thing, I think, that is, you know, a balance. But, um, you know, women are responsible for so much outside of work. So give us some tips as to how you might balance home and work. So this is always an interesting area for me because um, when I grew up in the 70s, I was not exactly a latchkey kid because we, we had a housekeeper, 
that would make sure that I was there. And, you know, my mom was working mm -hmm. out the activities to make sure we got to school. But my mom was a professor at San Jose State University. And so she was really busy and uh, she ended up getting her doctorate uh, from the time I was probably in middle school up through high school. And then uh, my father was also a teacher. So, you know, I, I never really felt like we had, um, you know, the, the, the leave it to beaver kind of thing. But I loved that my mom was out there working. And I really loved that my dad was there for all of the house stuff. Mm. And I don't know that it was necessarily the same as, as what my, you know, my friends were going through. But, you know, my dad cooked and cleaned and he actually cleaned better than the housekeepers that we had a lot of the time that's awesome yeah and um you know they they really shared all of the responsibilities and I, I never felt like it was just you know one or the other and so I think that was something that on some level I, I was it was very important to me as I was looking for a life partner so when I met Rick, my husband, uh, one of the things that I loved was that he did not insist that I change my name, which a previous boyfriend had been, you know, very strong about. Mm -hmm. He said, you can do anything, just don't hyphenate. I said, fine. Um, but then he also said that he would be willing to take some time off to stay home with kids if we had kids. And I'm thinking, keeper. Keeper. <laughs> and uh, so we've been married 22 years, I guess now. Um, and, and it did turn out that, um, you know, when I had my daughter, uh, we were both trainers at the time. Um, I actually found out that I was pregnant. Uh, he had just, actually, he'd moved from the training company. He was working somewhere else, and he'd just been laid off, but it was the middle of the dot-com boom. So if you could spell IT, you could get a job. So he took, you know, like three months off and, you know, <laughs> the first three months of my pregnancy, and then went off and, and found a job, and everything was great. But then... Um, the dot-com crash happened. My daughter was born in September of 2000 and everything was just, just falling apart. And, and we really weren't sure what we were going to do at first, but, but we thought about it and we decided that my job as a technical trainer was still going to be more secure than his job. At, at that point, he was working as a programmer for a, a startup. Mm -hmm. So it just made perfect sense that he took off what we thought was going to just be six months to be home with a kid and then we would reevaluate. But, you know, as the economy was still pretty bad and, um, uh, you know, we really weren't sure where that was going, then I got an offer at, at that point to um, work on a contract at Microsoft on courseware for the product that I was most expert in. And it just kind of made sense for him to stay home. So he ended up staying home until she was about three. And then at that point, we decided that, she, you know, she was an only child. We decided that we were done with one. And uh, it really was going to make a lot more sense for her to be in, you know, a more social environment. And he found a job so that we could afford, you know, the, the kind of full-time daycare. But, you know, from the beginning, you know, he, he's been the one who does the laundry. Um, he, he's been really great about, you know, the cooking and the cleaning and all of that. So, you know, we, we've kind of divided up what we each are, are good at, which, what we each like to do. And I've never felt like... I had to do, you know, more of something. He, he's always someone where I could go back to him and say, hey, I need help with this. And he's right there. So I think, you know, the balance is really more of a family balance than just me trying to balance something or him trying to balance something or even our daughter trying to balance something. 
Wow, that is amazing. So first of all, he's definitely a keeper, <laughs> no question. Congratulations on 22 years of being married. And to have that support mechanism is so, so critical in having that balance. Like you said, it's more of a family balance. Uh, and, you know, you and I are both fortunate to have that. I have a husband that, you know, from day one, uh, we both changed diapers and did whatever needed to be done so that we could um, get stuff done. We didn't think, oh, that's your job or this is my job. There was no, like, delineation that I can't do this or you can't do that. And it made a huge difference in being able to handle things and not becoming overwhelmed and having the support that you need. So you are right on. Now, how um, how was that received when he was a stay-at-home mom, let's say, or a stay-at-home dad? Uh, how was that received in, um, you know, the neighborhood or with other kids or with other moms? It was pretty rough after we moved up to the Seattle area. So when we were still back in the Bay Area, um, I had been pregnant with a couple of other friends. So, you know, we all, we did the thing of having the babies about the same time. So he was able to hang out with them. Mm -hmm. But after we moved up to Seattle, um, there's, there's talk up here about what they call the Seattle freeze, mm -hmm. where it can be a little bit hard to meet people. But one of the ways that you can meet people is through things like these, you know, mom's groups, mm -hmm. except some of these mom's groups don't allow dads. Mm. And, you know, Jennifer, if, if we had the same thing in business, you know, we, and we had that, you know, it was like, well, the guys had to have the club. The guys had to have the place where they could just be guys and talk about guy things. And women said, no, you absolutely can't do that. That's not okay. Cause it's excluding us. And we're part of this company too, but we still have that with the moms thing. There, there are still moms clubs that say, oh, you know, we need to talk about breastfeeding or, you know, other sexuality things. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, but it, it's leaving out the dads and it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, I, and, you know, this was 20 years ago, our daughter just turned 20, but um, I, I don't know if it's gotten all that much better. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, probably some dads have, have had to kind of band together, but, you know, proportionately, it, it's just one of these, these pieces of the ecosystem. You know, I've been fortunate that I've always made as much or more than my husband. And so, you know, I could afford to support the family, mm -hmm. but you know, with the inequities in the pay scale, not every woman can do that. And so that's one of the things that, that contributes to having fewer dads to be there and having more of an ecosystem to support them. But I actually, at one um, end of your party for the preschool that she was in before uh, my husband went back full time, a mother actually told me she thought it was weird that I worked and that he stayed home. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is like 2003. How can you be saying this? Yeah, so the challenges are the same on both sides, and we don't really even talk about that. We talk a lot about, you know, women and in a male-dominated field, but look at Rick, who had to be in a female-dominated field and adjust and adapt and had some of the same challenges because they would not, they were not open to it. So, wow, that is just really, you know, I think something that things have to change in that area as well. Uh, because it is so important because you do balance it where, you know, if it makes sense for the mom to work and the dad to stay home, so be it. Nothing wrong with that. And they are a parent just like the mom is and can handle, you know, handle their child 
So it's it shouldn't be even a question, but wow, that is amazing. Well, and one situation in particular really drove it home for me. So there was this one morning, um, my daughter was probably like two and we let her pick out her own clothes a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we encouraged a lot of independence early on. And I realized that her shirt was on inside out. And I probably, you know, put it on her. Or I, I don't know, maybe she'd put it on her. But we only had one car. I had to get to the office. So my husband had to drive me. And I figured I just didn't have time to change the shirt. And my mm-hmm. husband said, no, it's inside out. I have to change this. And I said, why? We're in a hurry. He said, because if I take her out like this, no one is going to believe that it was the mom who wasn't dressing her properly. Mm-hmm. They're going to think that I am not capable. And that's when I had that, the, the connection. You know, we talk about women have to work twice as hard to be thought half as good in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I realized he has to work twice as hard to be thought half as good in the domestic sphere. Mm-hmm. And wow, it was, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it it was just, um, you know, it was one of those knocks between the eyes. And my dad has always hated that movie, Mr. Mom, Mm -hmm. because it's really getting gags off someone, you know, being incompetent in, you know, in the home sphere or, but but really, you know, in some ways he did keep it together. You know, maybe he wasn't doing it the way the mom would have done it. And of course they were milking it for laughs. But even recently, not that long ago, we had the movie Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. where a big piece of the the plot revolved around her going out and having the career and, oh, is he going to be able to handle the home life? And and he did. But if we had reversed that in this day and age, in the same age that Incredibles 2 was released, and we had, oh, you know, the little lady is going to have to take care of the business. Is she going to be able to handle it? Mm-hmm. We would be up in arms about mm-hmm. that kind of chauvinism. And we, we really need to rethink how we think about men in the domestic sphere and how we support them. And women need to be allies to men who want to make that choice and, and contribute in that sphere. That's, that's so true. And then Kathy, thank you so much for bringing this, you know, out to, to actually talk about that because, you know, women just don't talk about it. Men don't talk about it. And we can't change it if we're not going to really make that, effort or bring the awareness out. So what are some of the things that women can do to become allies, to support men as they take more of a domesticated role? Oh, it's a lot of the same kind of things that we would expect of men Mm -hmm. being allies to women in the workplace. You know, don't assume that they don't know how to do something. You know, we want to support, but there's, there's a fine line between, you know, supporting and mansplaining and between supporting and momsplaining, as I would call it. Mm-hmm. Like when he would go out shopping, women would, would say, oh, you know, do you need help picking things out? And I, I know they were trying to be helpful, but the reality was he was actually better at buying her clothes than I was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't assume that somebody's gender is going to impact how they do anything, whether it's, you know, laundry or, you know, clothes shopping. Um, don't, please don't, ever say that a man is babysitting his own children men find that really offensive you know when, when you're taking care of your own children it's called parenting if you're taking care of somebody else's children it's babysitting mm-hmm. so give them that respect if if they are taken on that role and you know just support that they may do things differently 
you know, a, a man may have different thoughts about how laundry should be done or, you know, vacuuming or, or whatever, but that doesn't make it wrong. You know, what's right is going to be whatever is right for that couple in their home. And, you know, again, I'm usually the one who's dropping my clothes around there. And when I vacuum, I do not make the beautiful patterns like, you know, the housekeepers. <laughs> but my husband's doing the vacuuming now. He went out and he bought a couple hundred dollars worth of really good vacuum technology to make it really easy for him. And that was a much better investment than having a house cleaner after our daughter went off to college. So I'm like, sure, let's let's spend the money here. And he does do the perfect, you know, floor vacuum because that gives him joy and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But like if, if it doesn't give joy and satisfaction to either of you, don't sweat it. Let it go. Right. right. Wow, those are that's great advice. You know, don't assume that the person doesn't know what they're doing. And and like you said, it's the same for men as it is for women. You know, it's 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 so interesting that it is exactly what we complain about in the workplace that we don't realize we're doing on the other side. So great, great advice. Now let's switch gears. And uh, in closing, what advice would you give to a woman that's considering a career in the tech industry? You're very successful and have had a great career in tech. What what things could you tell some a woman that maybe thinks, okay, well, tech is not all coding. I want to try to get into it, but I'm not sure how to begin. Well, I do a lot of the kind of outreach for younger girls, um, you know, speaking at events and things. And what I tell young women is, you know, I I do emphasize coding as as a great skill to have. So I'm still uh, of the era where they they were at the tail end of telling us, honey, you need to learn how to type so you have something to fall back on just in case. (laughs) And what I tell girls is typing, of course, is not a, a rare skill anymore. Everybody keyboards, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care whether you're, you know, Satya or, you know, a school teacher. Everybody is, is keyboarding. So, yeah, you, you have to learn to type because that's just table stakes these days. But learning to code will always give you something to fall back on. So it is a great skill to have. But then I also go on to say, you know, there is tech in everything. When I was a theater major, we were designing lights using computerized light boards, which gave you so much more control than manual light boards. And we were designing sets and lights using AutoCAD, you know, a long time ago, but, we, you know, it was there. Um, so whether you, you love theater or, you know, marine life or fashion design, there is technology in anything that you want to do professionally. So find the tech. Find what you love, find the tech in that thing that you love and become a master of that technology. I love that. That is great, great advice. Kathy, we could talk forever. I know that because, you know, some interesting conversations, everything from the technology industry and and women in tech to, you know, our home life and balance, lots of great topics. So, uh, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, are you on social? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yep, I am on both Twitter and LinkedIn at at C-X-P-Cathy, C-A-T-H-Y. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week.
from IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training. Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.